recording? Yes. I really appreciate when you do that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. I feel like I stumbled over a true crime podcast. It just didn't seem, just it didn't seem right in my mouth. <laughs> the mouth words, the mouth sounds didn't sound right. You could try it again, but I think it was fine. Eh. All right. If it's not, you can add this part in there to explain why it didn't. <laughs> Should we get to it? What case are you doing today? Okay, so today's story was sent over to us by our newest Marileva on our Patreon. Her name is Annaline. She joins us Annaline. from Belgium. It is so awesome to have you be listening to what to me sounds like so far away. <laughs> She's been with us for a long ass I time. I know. She sent over this story and asked us to cover it. And I was like, mm-hmm, yep. And today I'm getting to it. Nice. She actually sent over two, and I wish I had done the other one because that one's like, she's like, it has all the things. Like, all it's got like. It's all the points. It's like incest, trafficking, oh, murder, oh rape, like all the all the trigger warnings. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so like I was I started looking into it and I was like, there's movies, there's books, there's articles. Like there's, oh. I'm like, okay, that's gonna take several days. Oh yeah. And I always get scared when I open or I decide finally land on a case and I find out that there's a lot more materials on it than yeah. I could handle. Cause I was like, you know, reading a book and watching documentaries is takes up a lot of time but yeah sometimes you just get wrapped up in it but it's a little daunting if you're like oh my god there's so much because you don't want to miss anything well yeah so that takes us to the story of andres pandy pandy okay oh god hold on let me listen to her say it one okay. more time andres pandy oh god andres pandy girl i got you well yeah just of course do this. you do Here, just just say it and i'll just step in with the name Today we are doing the case of Andres Pandi. Thank you so much. <laughs> the most I can give you is a little Midwestern flair when I say things like Ashley. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot roll my R's. Pandi to me looks like Pandy. So <laughs> Pandy, Pandy, Pandy. <laughs> so um I, of course, picked the the story that had, like, a million names in it that I don't know how to pronounce. Are they all very unique names? I mean, probably not, but to me they are. Like, several sure. of them are. But, I, yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce a okay. good chunk of these. So, Andres Pandey. Andres Pandey. <laughs> you got it. No, I don't. There's no, no well, like, that R is it just... It was, like, a good effort, though. It's, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Don't be disheartened. You're doing fine. We just got the name down. English is my only language. Um, Andres was born on June 1st, 1927, and he was born to Hungarian parents in a village that was just across the border from Hungary. He was, uh, as he grew up and got older, he served as a church counselor for the Reformed Church in Hungary, and that's where he met his first wife. Her name was Ilona Sorez. I googled how to pronounce her first name and watched nice. a video. So nice. there you go. But anytime I see something that's like starts off with he was a church counselor or he was mm-hmm. a pastor, I was like, this is gonna "There's be a, a flag. Good, there's gonna be a good one here. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be something." Of course. Let's count how many flags there is. There's one. <laughs> one red flag. One flag. <laughs> so they fled to Belgium in 1956 after the Hungarian Revolution. 
and they settled in a small Protestant community in Brussels, and that's where he began to pastor a church. Textbook. Yeah, just move to a new town and just take on this yeah, whole new totally character. Yeah. Become a prominent member of the community. Right. A church man. Is it my favorite murder that's like from pillar to killer? Cheyenne got me a shirt that says like a whole list of people. Yeah. This is total BTK vibes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He was also a religious teacher at the United Protestant Church and you know, everything was going well. Him and his wife, you know, were married. They welcomed a daughter named Agnes. And then shortly after that, they had two sons named Daniel and Zoltan, I think. That's a lot of names. You're doing good. Doing, yes. Names are, there's more. There's okay. like, ends up being like eight kids oh, all together. gosh. Okay. With a variety of like little accents over letters. Ooh, and that's yeah. where I'm like, mm. The couple separated shortly after having their last son. And Pondy actually accused his wife of cheating on him and was like, you're unfaithful. Adulterous woman. And I'm like, you have three kids. Where do you find the time? But Elona actually ended up moving out with the boys. She left Agnes with her dad. And Agnes at the time was 11 years old. About a year after that, he actually began sexually abusing (gasps) Agnes. No. Now, I put in here... Pondy began sexually abusing Agnes because every article I read said that he started an incestuous relationship with Ew. his daughter. And I was like, There's no relationship. No, no, no. That's that's sexual abuse and rape. Like, let's call right. it what it is. The problem is, is that later when she became an adult, it was still continuing. And <sighs> she very much I don't want to say she was like a consenting participant, but she thought she was in love with her dad in a romantic way. And so I think that's why it gets classified as being an incestuous relationship. But at 12, 13 years old, that's not a possibility. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that begins happening. And then in the 70s, you know, Pondy is like, I'm getting a little lonely here with me and my teenage daughter. So he begins placing ads in the newspaper, like personal ads, because that was how people dated back when there wasn't Bumble or Tinder or things like that. Sure. So he begins placing personal ads and uses a dating service through the newspaper to date women. He uses a false name and a false occupation because I'm guessing like religious teacher doesn't send the vibes that he's going for. Sure. And he probably doesn't want the town to know that that's what he's doing. Right. Yeah. So he begins actually traveling. At this point, things politically have settled. So he now begins traveling back and forth between Brussels and Hungary. It's eventually in Hungary where he meets his second wife, and her name is Edith Ventur. Okay. Looks like it should be Edith without the H at the end. Okay. And she's married with three kids of her own from two previous marriages. So she has three daughters. She has eight-year-old Tundi, 15-year-old Timea and seven-year-old Andrea. I'm sorry if these names are not correct. No. I'm doing the best I can. I think Tunde's right. I, I know someone named Tunde. Edith's husband, the woman that she, that she's she still married. She's still right? married at this point. He says that the two like be in this romantic affair, and Andreas is like seducing his wife or whatever, and he convinces her to run away to Belgium with him along with her kids. Oh. And so they do. They take off to Belgium. And they eventually get married in 1979 after both of their divorces are finalized. And then at that point, they have two kids of their own. They have Andreas Jr. and their daughter, Rekha. Rika? R-E-K-A? I have no idea. 
Cool. I'm going to, for every name, I'll just throw out three different possibilities. (laughs) And we will, yes. I mean, my name has different possibilities, so it's possible. What? Like in English, it's Fatina. Yeah. And in Spanish, it could be Fatina or Fatina. How do your parents pronounce it? Uh, It depends. If my mom's mad, it's Fatina. (laughs) And if she's not? Fatina. She she, she changes the accent oh, based absolutely. on... absolutely. <laughs> if she's mad at me, there's definitely a, a change in um, in accent there, for awesome. sure. But no, I mean, even my name has different uh, options to it. Okay. You're doing good. Thanks. Thank you. Annalene's like, I'm really sorry I sent this over to you guys to cover. <laughs> we should have just had a read of all the names and just, like, plug it in every time there's a name. Okay, so they had the two kids of their own. And then in 1984, Pondy decides that he's like, you know what? I'm really, like, liking this whole, like, thing within the family. So he no. he starts another, what's classified, again, as an incestuous relationship. Although, okay. So he starts this, quote, unquote, incestuous relationship with his stepdaughter, uh, Tamea. Okay. Tamea. Stop it. You're doing great. I'm sorry. You can just leave it all in there. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Um, So I don't, this one I was like, I don't think it's incestuous because it's his stepdaughter. Oh, I see. But at the same time, it's also not an incestuous relationship because he was raping her. (sighs) So she at the time was 20 years old. Um, She actually became pregnant after he (sighs) raped her. No. And she told the family about the abuse. She was like. This He's happened. assaulting me. Yeah. And they were like, no, no. What? And they actually said that she had taken a towel with his semen and <gasps> used it to get herself pregnant. Wait, wait, whose story was this? The family's? The family's. Which I'm like, okay, it's the 80s. You guys have no idea no. how this works. Because I don't think you can get yourself pregnant Plausible by rubbing a towel, but, a towel mm. against you. Like I said, she becomes pregnant. She, when the family's like, no, I, we don't believe you. She's like screw you guys, I'm leaving. So she actually leaves and runs off to live at one of the houses. They have lots of properties. Um, She runs off to live with her stepsister, Agnes. But Agnes becomes enraged when she learns that Tamea is being raped by her own father because she is in a relationship, a quote unquote relationship with her own father. So she becomes super jealous by this. And attacks Tamea in the basement of the house with an iron bar. What? And starts beating her with the intention of killing her, but she's startled and stopped by another family member. So Tamea is hospitalized and again in the hospital reports the abuse, but again she's dismissed. It's the time period. And that's just where we're at. So she gives birth to a son, Mark, and then as she's departing, she's like, hey mom, guess what? Your husband's raping me. See ya. And oh my god, runs off and basically like she runs, flees to Canada to stay with family there, and then she eventually starts a new life in Hungary. Meanwhile, her mom has just like had a bomb dropped on her that her husband has been raping her daughter, and yeah. so she confronts Andreas about the abuse allegations, and they get into a huge fight, and so things are like really really tense in the household. This goes on for some time. And then shortly after that, she disappears along with her daughter, Andrea, Andrea, and nobody knows where they went. Okay. So the police 
obviously are notified that, you know, they've basically, these two have disappeared. And so they come and they interview Andreas and he's like, no, they, they ran away. And he's like, I have a telegram from them here to prove that they ran away to Germany says that his wife has basically taken off with another man and they she left one child behind with him and only took Andrea with her, runs off to Germany with some guy and he's like, look, there's a telegram that says all of this and shows them the telegram supposedly oh. from Edith saying that she's run off. The police are like, all right, cool, good enough for me. And like, oh that's Oh my that. God, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> see ya. Weirdly enough, like that's the last anybody really looks into it until about two years later, in 1988, when Andreas's ex-wife, Ilana, also disappears with their two sons. Oh. And at this point, they've been divorced for, like, 20 years or something. Okay. Eh, maybe, like, 10 years. Something like that. Some enormous amount of time they've been in divorce. So it's, like, super random. Right. And, again, he's asked about this. And he was like, no, 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 they've moved to France. And... Investigators are like, you sure about that? And he's like, maybe it was South America. Okay. And changes his story. Can't really say where they're living. He needs a map. And again, investigators are like, good enough for me. Oh, no. Everything again kind of dies out. And then in 1990, his second wife, Edith's 18-year-old daughter, Tunde, was still living with him. Okay. Because she had just left with Andrea, right? She'd just run away to Germany and left one of her daughters behind without word. And everybody's like, all right. So Tunde keeps living there. And so Andreas sends Agnes, his biological daughter, off with Andreas Jr. and Reka to go on vacation. He's like, you guys have fun. Okay. When they return, Tunde's gone. The hell? And they're like, what? Oh, God. Agnes is like, what What happened? And she, he says that she had become disturbed. He'd kicked her out of the house and sent her to live with somebody else. All in a matter of, like, a vacation yeah. time period? Yeah. Just, okay. like, randomly became so Sounds disturbed that he couldn't handle it anymore. Legit. Yeah. Okay. Up until this point, Belgian police had been kind of, like, whatever about things. They had kind of looked into it, but not much. Come to find out, all of this evidence that he had used to say that they'd all run away was forged. The telegram was forged. Like, everything that he'd used as evidence was forged. In fact, he had gone as far as to hire actors during this time <gasps> what? to impersonate his family members in Hungary and told them, told the actors that this was for a film about his life. So when police interviewed, they were like, yeah, we've seen her talk to them or whatever, because there's these actors that are playing these characters and people don't know the difference. <laughs> oh, my God. And so police are like, OK, well, kind of genius. Yeah, I mean, it is. Right. And I was like, wow, all right. I didn't realize that a person of a church could make this kind of money. But Oh, that's right. I totally forgot that he was he's a pastor. He's got, like, multiple properties, hires actors. I, I don't know how he's affording to do that all of this. That timing must be good. <laughs> but things really break apart in uh, 1992 when Agnes has had enough and she reports her dad for sexually abusing her. Good. Police still are like, mm, you know, oh like, sure. But it is enough for them to start taking notice because they're like, all right, now, you know, these family members have gone missing. Now we have a girl saying that she's yeah. being abused. So, like, maybe we should start paying attention, but, like, not going to move on it too quickly. 
It's only when the Hungarian police come knocking and they're like, Sir. <laughs> Can we talk? Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. Because many women had gone missing in Hungary. And Andreas was a, su- a suspect in a lot of these cases for using his personal ads no. to lure women. <gasps> I didn't even think about that. He owned a series of summer homes, including a summer home in Hungary near River Dan. And he was kind of known. <laughs> That's the best I got. Um, he was kind of known to charm women and offer to whisk them away to Brussels and, you know, like offered to, you know, wife them up charm basically. Them and yeah. Then... And they were like, this is going to be great. And so the it Hungarian. Great. <laughs> right. So there had been two sisters who had each at some point accepted Andreas' offer and thought it was going to be, like, some sort of, like, romantic fairy tale, and he ended up locking them in his Brussels home. What? Basically forcing them to be maids and cook and clean for him and wouldn't let them leave the house. Kidnapped them. At some point, he did offer to marry both of them, and they were like, no, this isn't what we signed up for. And they were shocked when they asked to return to Hungary, and he let them. Oh. And so this gets reported. And the Hungarian police, like, start looking into things. And so Hungary comes over to Belgium and is like... And then I wrote down, like, that whole TikTok thing where they're like, do you want to form an alliance? And they're like, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. So Hungary and Belgium are like, cool, we're going to join forces and look into this. And so they start investigating things. You know what's really interesting is they are much more hush-hush than American investigators and media... Because it doesn't really say what exactly leads to him being arrested on October 16th of 1997. Okay. Just that they had started, like, digging into these things. These women had come forward or whatever. And that might have been enough at that point to arrest him. But they do. They arrest him on October 16th of 1997. Now, this is the same day as the White March. The White March in Belgium is a large demonstration that is held annually for the victims of Belgium serial killer Marc Dutroux. And oh. that's actually the original case that Annaline sent over that wanted she wanted us to look into this. Oh. This is a prolific Weird serial connection. killer. Yeah. Yeah, in Belgium. And so they're already doing this large demonstration and then this guy is arrested and both draw like huge media coverage worldwide. And draws attention to the police force in Belgium and how in both instances they kind of dropped the ball. Because there were several, you know, complaints and things brought forward and they just weren't investigating it. Yeah, lots of flags. Yeah. And so between the two things on this particular day, it was like media coverage just exploded. And I think Agnes was kind of feeling the pressure of this media coverage. And a month later, she was also arrested. Oh. Now... It looks like she was arrested. There's two different things that I read. Is first that she confessed to murder and she was arrested. But then I also read that she was arrested and confessed to murder. So I'm not sure which came first. But she did confess to participating in the murder of several of their family members with her father. What? And so Agnes is the one that fills in the details for us. She says that she herself had killed her own mother Ilona. You're lying. And participated in the murders of Daniel, Zoltan, Edith, and Andrea, but she didn't know what had happened to Tunde. 
She didn't. She said that really did happen while she was on vacation and has no idea oh why, what the deal was there. She said that she used a gun in two of the murders, but for the most part, she actually used a sledgehammer to help bludgeon them to death. Whoa. She was like, that's very angry and aggressive. Very intimate. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a lot of rage in this woman. Right. And at this point, she's an adult. Like, when she, she did all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, timeline is shaky, but she is an adult. And at this point, when she's confessing anything, she's adult adult. So, right. yeah. She partook in dismembering the bodies and destroying them by placing them in a bathtub down in the basement filled with a drain cleaner. Oh, my God. The drain cleaner is referred to as cleanest. Um, it was actually taken off the market later on because of its acidity level. Um, it's very, very, very acidic. And so they would fill a bathtub with this and they would chop up the body and put it into the bathtub for it to... Disintegrate? Disintegrate as much as possible. Oh, my God. And then they would take whatever was left, put it into bags... And then drop it off at the local slaughterhouse to be disposed of. Oh, wow. So when investigators showed up to the house to execute a search warrant, they did not find any bodies, but they did find teeth, not. bone <gasps> fragments, flesh, oh bloodstains, pieces of clothing, hair, and ashes. Ashes. They, yeah, which makes me go, something was burned. Oh, for sure. And they found a hidden... Um, Attic? Like a false ceiling. Okay. And up there found an extensive gun supply along with 21 liters of the acidic drain cleaner. Whoa. Now, I don't know what gun laws are in Belgium. It sounds like they might be more strict than America oh, because. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they were hiding all of their guns. Of course. And so um, Agnes said that they would chop up the body using axes and kitchen knives. Whoa. Her job specifically was to take out the organs and chop them down using a kitchen knife, where she said her dad would actually deal with the body itself because that required more strength that she just didn't have to be able to get through bone. It's kind of matter of fact for her, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least, I'm just stunned right now that she was just like, yep, here's what happened. I wonder if she's just that pissed at her dad for... It's not like being loyal to this, their relationship. So hold that thought. Okay. Because, yeah, that's going to come back around. When Andreas, you know, found out basically of the testimony, he denied the charges. And he said his family members were all alive, but he talked to them through angels. So I was like, <laughs> what? Is that a nap? What is that? Yeah. I was like, but they're if they're alive, why are you talking to them through angels? Okay. He denied the charges, but he, based on Agnes's testimony and evidence, he was found guilty of murder, attempted murder, and rape for his daughters. Wow. And he was sentenced to life without parole. In 2007, they actually considered moving him to a retirement home because of his age and failing health, but they ultimately decided not to. And he died in prison on December 23rd, 2013 of natural causes. Agnes received only 21 years for her role in the murders. In like five yeah. murders? And one that she said murders? like she she alone killed her own mother. And December Oh my god. And I I'll hold on okay, to my okay. thoughts about her killing her mother. Um 
But prosecutors originally requested 29 years, and the defense asked for leniency, and they were like, she was under the spell of her father, and so they requested less, Mm. and so the compromise was 21. She said in her closing statement she had no way out. She was completely in his grip. And so basically, like, that she was brainwashed by him, and there she was a... And I do agree, she was a victim. I see that, too. But... At some point, you know, we we have choices. We have choices that we make. I can see how it could be hard though. If she is. Well, it's your. She, and she I was know, groomed for a very young, yeah. from a very young age to and be like, this is the human that you. When you're look not just up to being, and listen to and yeah yeah, there's like, I know that there's a lot of weird psychology when that right. that boundary is crossed between parent and child, and what that does to the psyche. Um, But I'm not qualified on that whatsoever. So after he was arrested, actually, they ended up doing an excavation of a lot of his different summer houses. And they found skeletal remains of seven women and one man in the basement of one of his homes near the river in Brussels. What? In In one man? Yeah, which was weird. In January of 1998, which was only a few months after he was initially arrested, mm-hmm. DNA did confirm that the remains were not relatives of his. And they're actually believed to belong to people, at least the women, who answered his personal ads in the yeah. newspaper. But they were never identified. <gasps> Why weren't they ever at identified? Least not, at least not that was ever published. And that's what I mean. The media and like the investigators, they you know do what? not work hand in hand over here. Because there's over there, a, you mean? Well, yeah, over in there. Belgium. I'm trying to act just like I'm there. Like method I'm, acting. I'm, I'm just immersing like all the way myself, in there. Gotcha. so that way I can try yeah, my best to <laughs> nail some of these. N- no, names. I see what you mean because here in the U.S. we would have had a field day. Oh yeah, and it would have been they, nonstop coverage, and there would have been you know nonstop questions until when it, it made me realize how much the media and law enforcement do actually kind of have a working relationship here in the u.s yeah that doesn't necessarily seem to be true in other areas of the world and i think this is one of those instances because there's just a lot of things that did not make their way out into the media which is super interesting to me um i'd be curious to know if that's different if you're local versus like right. what you know right. Because I'm sure there's newspaper articles about yeah. what's going on in the town or, you know, excava- excavations that are happening. But Well, and Annalene said that there are some articles that are in Dutch mm. that talk about this. And maybe it's like, you know, going through the effort of actually translating them. And that I would assume that the Dutch newspapers are like kind of your local news right, source. Right. If those aren't being picked up and translated by bigger media, it's not going to make its way right. over to the U.S. Anyway, so... As far as I can tell, the remains were not identified. He was never brought up on charges for it, so I would assume that they weren't. They Um, were on his property? Yeah, they were on his property. They were in the house, in the basement of the house. And they still didn't bring him up on charges? I don't think so. This was before he passed away, right? It was before, I don't, I think it was before he was even convicted of the charges for his family. It was wild. Wow. In this house particularly, too, there was same thing, false ceiling, and in the false ceiling were more firearms that were Mm. obviously destroyed, and the houses were later demolished. I also found a newspaper that published that Andreas had fostered several Romanian children at one point in his home in Brussels. Oh, my God. The children were recruited by a charity called YDNAP, which is his last name backwards. 
And nobody knows whatever happened to them or if they ever returned to Romania. They just disappeared. Again, never been brought up on charges of anything. It's just like the kids are unaccounted for because they're orphan Romanian children. They lost the paperwork. They just lost track of the kids. Yeah, if there ever was. Who knows? Right. The police actually also later linked the 1993 disappearance of a 12-year-old girl whose mother was involved romantically with Andreas to Agnes. And that's why I think it's all a jealousy thing for her. I think that's why she murdered her own mother is because she was jealous of the relationship that her mom and dad had. Do you think it's possible that she started the killing and he helped her? Maybe. But he seems to be, like, the dirty pervert. Oh, of course. But let's say he brought, like, this 12-year-old around, and if he even so looked at her, Agnes got... I think it could be possible that he was killing other people. And then she maybe learned behaviors from them, killed the mom, and then that, like, started this domino effect within the family. Other sick bond that they made together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that she would target this 12-year-old girl just specifically because the mom was involved romantically with her dad. And that's also the age that he started molesting her. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know if something... Happened between them and she was, like, jealous of that girl, too. Now, this is where it gets, like, it's very... It can't get weirder. so... So weird. So I was, like... Try me. It really can't, can it? This is where I'm like, the media and these people need to work better together. Okay. Hungarian police searched the basement of Andreas's former home near Budapest and sealed the findings. What? So they found something, but they never released it to the media, but they alluded to what they found. So they only stated that an old family tragedy might have been responsible for Andreas's killing spree. They suggested that the man named Andreas Pondi might not actually be Andreas Pondi <gasps> at all, but rather the sibling of the real Andreas whose death was reported in 1956. What? It's Hold up. also the same year that Andreas migrated to Belgium. <gasps> to be a pastor? So it is possible, it is possible that the Andreas Pondi that we know is actually the Someone brother else. of Andreas Pondi, killed the brother, assumed his identity, and ran off to Belgium the fuck? to live as him. Okay, you got me. Wild, right? Oh my Wild. god. I was like, what does this mean? Oh my god. What does this mean? There was flags before we even knew there was flags. What? Yeah, why? And they never released what they actually found. They only just like kind of like dropped these little like. They just said. They're little the teasers. family tragedy. Might be. An old family tragedy might have been responsible for his killing spree. And they suggested that he was not who he said he was at all. But rather the sibling of the real Andreas. Weird. Oh, my mind is going like a hundred miles per hour right now. What it all could mean. Because I'm don't trying know. to think of different scenarios. Like, was there a tragedy in the family? Like, the brother may have accidentally been killed or he saw him get killed. And or then, so he then he accidentally was killed him. Or he accidentally killed his brother. Mm-hmm. And then was just trying. Uh, uh, what? 
And maybe there's like an associative disorder where he like no longer identifies as who he actually is. And that somehow justifies his behavior. Crazy. Right. Because he's, he's probably thinking, I'm not really who I'm acting to be. Like he's not taking responsibility for what he's doing. It's like another personality. Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. I know. Okay. That's crazy. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) So wild. (laughs) He died when he was in his 90s, and it's never really ever been confirmed what happened there that I know of. I wonder what made them go into that house and like research it. I know. I'd be here. I think they kind of like went through all of his homes and stuff. Maybe that too, but I I feel like maybe Agnes tipped him off like she knew something about his childhood that they needed to look into or something. Yeah. Or another family member. Agnes is weird. She's, yeah. Albeit a, a victim. Yes, 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 yes. But um, the course she took was peculiar for a victim. Yeah, it was like she like wanted to get him? back at him. Yeah. Like no. he'd done her wrong and she was like, I'm going to. I'm going to get you where it hurts. You, can, you have to stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. How many people were there in total then because of the women that he had been dating and disappeared? It um, seemed like a lot. Well, the first initial article I read said something about how 60 women had gone and disappeared, no. had disappeared yeah, yeah. in Hungary. And that's what started their investigation into it. And he was one of the suspects based on his personal ad. Wow. And so he could be responsible for upwards of that many. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, a lot of, even if women survived, at least the, the two uh, sisters that made it out of there alive spoke up and gave their account about what happened. About yeah. At least their experience. But I wonder how many people were, or women, were assaulted or they didn't have a good encounter with someone that they were meeting up for a potential date and just never yeah. spoke up about it. So I, it never I started building happen, a case. That you know happens what I mean? even to this day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to say, you know, you know, women rationalize like, oh, they're not going to believe me because I agreed to go on this date, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. they don't speak up about, you know, bad experiences or rape or abuse that happens during a date because they think they're not going to be listened to. But I wonder if they had, if it would have started the ball rolling a lot sooner. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not women off the street yeah. that normally wouldn't get reported as missing and whatnot. Right. It's not like he picks sex workers or something right. like that. He picks women that are like, I want to date. Probably to get normal there. women yeah. that are just, yeah, looking to date. Wow. Upwards of 60. That's incredible. And that his daughter is helping. That ending, though, is like, it yeah. spun my mind around. That's crazy. I mean, that's the case of... Andras Pandi. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to our newest Patreon, Annaline, for that one. That was crazy. Yeah. I love a good story. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah. That's a... That was a good one. That was a really good I'm one. I'm really excited to do her other one of Mark DeTrue. Yeah. I think that That'd be fun to hear, too. Wild. But it's always fun to do research on something that we know you guys are already interested on and that you just wanted us to to look into a little bit further and, and tell you about again because it's, uh, um, I think, a, even more rewarding to yeah. do it that way. I really want to sing Smelly Cat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> see how, how sexy Smelly your voice can be. True crime tea time? True crime tea time.
I have two podcast recommendations. I've Do talked you? about this on stories. I don't think I've mentioned it on the actual podcast. Um, first of all, The Line is an Apple podcast exclusive. It is oh. literally the best podcast I've listened to in a really, 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 I've, if not ever. Like, it's so Really? Good. So. Opportunist? I, Dr. Yes, Phil? Better. I'm better. Scared. Better. <laughs> better. <laughs> yes, better. Um, it is one case and it oh. is about um eddie gallagher he's a navy seal who a navy a chief of a navy seal platoon who is accused and brought up on murder charges by his own platoon oh they okay. accuse him of murdering a prisoner of war and everything that falls out from it it's a true story oh. um it was so good that i listened to it twice the wow. thing that is so crazy about this podcast that i have very 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 rarely seen been done effectively is you could use this podcast to argue either side huh you could use it to say you know screw the military they're all like designed to kill each other and blah 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 and then you can use it and say you know you have these guys that have these like they have a code of conduct and Mm. they really adhere to it and they hold each other accountable to it and they're like this is wrong and they did the right thing even when going against your own platoon is like hmm. it's it is not right. acceptable Taboo. yeah and they still were like you know what this gotta is the right thing to do yeah in. and they do the podcast does a really good job of like really presenting both sides so evenly that you truly could use this podcast for to either really yeah like if you felt really strongly one way or another you could use this podcast that sounds to argue it. a lot that sounds like something I'd listen to and like yeah I loved it is and the host a Libra <laughs> I so the host does a really good job too of like he makes friendships with every I think he like has a really good banter back and forth with mm. everybody he interviews he interviews the wife he interviews Eddie himself he interviews some of like the seals um seals that weren't involved in it oh, and their sure. perspective of it um, so he has interviews from that and they also have audio from the trial itself. Mm. And he's like, he's really easy to listen to all around. Phenomenal. Could not recommend it more. If you're not into military, the line, the line. if you're not okay. into military, it's not going to be your thing. But I, I'm into true crime. So it's true crime. It's military. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. So I'm in it. I listened to it twice all the way through. It's a six parter. Oof. Man. I'm not much for stretched out because yeah. I can't keep focused that long. Yeah. Um, but if it's good and it keeps me past two or three, then I'm hooked. So I'll give I, it a try. I was like adamant that I felt one specific way about it. And then the very last episode, they threw me the biggest curveball. And I was like, I don't know what to do now anymore. Oh, like, great. I just. I'm going to have to go listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Opportunist Season 2 just dropped. Yes, I was going to tell you that. Make sure you saw it. But um, they only released two episodes this week, last week, and I think they're going to release two episodes this week. I started it. I decided that I'm, like, really more of a binger type person, so mm. I'm just going to, like, do it Wait. all at once. Um, but this is only a four-parter, and it's about a pharmacist who messes around with chemotherapy drugs and oh, waters no. them down to make a profit off of them. Oh, no. So that one's going to be wild, too. That sounds awful. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Um, and I think that's all my recommendations for right now. Awesome. I don't think... Is there anything else, True Crime, that we need to... Oh, I watched that um, 
I watched the one that you recommended, the 32nd Floor or whatever, about the shooting. Oh, the 32nd on, Floor? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, on Mandalay Bay. I and did that like was, it. It was good. It was good, good. It's done well, right? Yeah. It's not It's not graphic, um, although I'm sure it was graphic at the scene, but yeah. um, they did a really good job of matter-of-factly explaining what happened and just making sense of what happened, not in the sense of, like, psychologically what no, happened. No, but, but like, explaining the timeline and, right. like, this is the footage we have and just... That one was so weird when that happened. Uh, something that I recently watched that I was hooked beginning to end was uh, it's on Hulu. It's a 2020 episode, so it's just one episode. It's the What Happened to Vanessa episode. Mm-hmm. So Vanessa Gann, the... Oh, yeah, I was going to watch that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really good. The The family, gosh, you're just heartbroken for them. Um, oh, yeah. And just the way there's a lot of reform that's happened with the military as far as their investigations and how they investigate like internal allegations of sexual abuse or just sexual yeah. misconduct. Um, but they do a really good job of covering what happened. As far as the documentary, totally recommend it. Worth an hour. Okay. I need to watch it. Um, I think we're good. Okay. Go wrap this one up. Awesome. Cool. You guys know where to find us. Yeah. Find if you us. have stories... Um, you can send us suggestions on Instagram or you can send us an email at the email is a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes, iTunes podcast that helps us be found by other true crime lovers. And if you haven't visited us already on patreon.com, if you're interested to find out how to be a murder lover, um, like in Lena's now, thank you. You can find us on patreon.com forward slash stranger, stranger danger. You were going to say murder lover, huh? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I almost did. Sorry. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, I don't Does know. my voice sound different? Yeah, it sounds a little raspy. <clears throat> it might be like all your drugs that you're on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it might be. Give you a little like cotton mouth, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm just like not gonna tell them while you're on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Um okay, so I recently had some dental work done, which included root canal, couple fillings, etc. I'm terrified of the dentist, so the dentist hooked me up with some Valium, which I'd never had before in my life. Um, definitely an experience or not so much of an experience because I don't remember much of it, which is kind of the point of it. But I do remember um, a couple things for for starters. The dentist was super cool and she let me listen to podcasts. I think I, I don't think they know that was true crime podcast. <laughs> and then second thing, I think I woke myself up by snoring at one point. <laughs> they were like all up in there. In there. Um I didn't see flying alligators this time, which was nice. Um, Did you last time? No, but I I think back when I was in college, they put me on Dilaudid because I had some kidney pain. Yeah. And I was in the room, and I very vividly remember, like, telling Kara, like, do you see the flying alligator? And she immediately went out to the nurse, and I just remember them slapping, like, a fall risk thing on my door. Oh. 
like this, like, one. this girl's loopy. <laughs> The fall risk is always oh really my gosh. To me. So on the next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about how being under the influence of um, medications influenced my research on the case that I'll be covering on the next episode. But that's another story. It's another story for a different day. Yeah, my voice is just weird right now. Just it really is. You, you're kind of talking like this. Oh God, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like low and sultry. <laughs> the midnight mamacita yeah <laughs> or what are the radio shows that did the late night stuff and that, the, that's who yeah. i'm that's who i'm quoting because in arizona uh the late night like the love songs like the ballads and stuff that she played um the dj she went by the midnight mamacita so. i'm trying to remember what it was out here <laughs> but they would do the were they god and yeah, they did the late night. Like where you would call and be like, I want to dedicate this song. Yes, to- yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> and then the song would na, 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 na. Or my, oh, it was like my angel. Like it's always angel songs back in oh, the yeah. early 2000s. Like my angel baby. That's a good one. Yeah. It's been five months since you went away. Or like TLC, the Ooh, red light special. Yes. Oh. Red light Okay, I can't <laughs> fill in myself in this voice right now. You're kind of like Phoebe. <laughs> she <laughs> gets the cold. <laughs> I have liquid in my mouth. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's like, I sound so sexy. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Okay. Okay. So much for no chit-chat at the beginning. Yeah, I know. You went <laughs> off there. It's fine. Everything's fine. That's what editing's for. 